church. Um, how good's this series been on purpose? And um, I just want to thank Pastor Hartley and Pastor Natalie in her absence. She's at Marylands, I think, tonight. Isn't it cool that we've got different locations and we're one church meeting in, up in different areas? And um, I just want to thank my great pastors for giving me this opportunity and, and uh, for their leadership and really the part they've played in my life and for me to discover the purpose in my life and shaping the call that is on my life. You know, we, we, we feel the purpose of God, we feel the call of God, but we need great people around us and we need to submit ourselves to great leadership as well for that call that we have on our lives to be molded the right way and for our character and who we are to be molded the right way so that you can carry the call that God's got for you. So I just want to honor my pastors, Pastor Hartley and Natalie tonight. And, um, you know, this has been a great series. I think we started off with, with the overall message of purpose, the fact that each one of us is here with a purpose. None of us were an accident. Every single person in this room has been thought of, conceived in the mind of God before time even began. You need to know that tonight, that you started firstly in God's mind, <clears throat> that he had a purpose and a plan for your life from right at the beginning of creation. He's known you the whole time. He sees the end from the beginning, and there's a plan and a purpose for you being here, right here at this moment in history as well. Then we talked last week about the gifts, the different gifts that God puts inside us for the purposes that he has for us on this earth, the purposes that he has for us in building and enlarging the kingdom of God, and the different gifts that he puts inside us. You know, those gifts that he's put inside you are here for the building of the kingdom of God. They're here for the building of the house of God, for the church. And I just loved last Sunday night seeing so many people here on this altar rededicating their gifts to God, consecrating their lives to God, and giving God their gifts afresh. And that is amazing because we need to regularly do that. The pull of the world, the tide of the world tries to take our gifts for the use of something else. But we can always bring our gifts back to the house of God and back to the kingdom. You know, tonight is about the call. What is the call? We want to talk about what the call is, what the call of God is for us in our lives. And really, what I want you to know, first and foremost, and what God put on my heart to deliver to you today, is for you to know that the call, first and foremost, is to Him. The call, first and foremost, is for you to give Him all of you. For you to give him all of your life, all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your passion. For you to give him all of that because he went all the way for you. He went unto death, even to death on the cross like Patrick said earlier when we prayed. And he did that with you in mind here tonight for you to understand that he wants a relationship with you. That he wants a relationship with you and he seeks you out. He will come after you year after year after year after year. He will come after you. He will come after all of you. He wants all of us, and he wants all of us. He wants every single one of us. Then he wants to consume every single faculty that we have, our minds, our passion, our soul. Every part of us is there to be consecrated to God tonight. You know, I think tonight, I firmly believe, in fact, I want to prophesy this tonight over you, that those of you who have felt that the call has been a bit dead, a bit stagnant, a bit like barren ground, I just saw a picture of barren ground and water being poured all over it. 
So I see that for your life tonight, that if you have felt that the call has been something like barren ground tonight, the river of God is coming to bring life back to you, to bring life back to the call of God that is on your life. And firstly, first and foremost, that call is to Him. First and foremost, the call of God is to know Him more and to be known by Him. Revelation 3.20 says this, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. Every day, Jesus is standing at the door. He continues to knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. We will share a meal together as friends. Church, the call is a call to intimacy with Christ. It's a call to journey on an incredible adventure of intimacy with Christ. And as we develop our relationship with Him, as we get to know Him more, we get to know ourselves more as well. As we open the door, as Jesus said in, in Revelation 3.20, that He's knocking, as we respond to that knock and we open the door, He comes in and we start to know more about Him and more about ourselves. What does call mean? What does the word call mean? I looked up some, some definitions in the dictionary. You know me well enough to know that I, lo I love definitions. And the call <clears throat> means these different things. To cry out in a loud voice, to call out, to shout. It means to command or request someone to come. It means to ask or invite to come. It means to communicate. Communicate by telephone. It means to summon by divine command. Dish is calling me. One sec. Dish. Hey, bro, are you busy? Um, I'm just at church. Oh, really? Sorry, man. Hey, um, just a quick one. Um, yeah. I just saw on the Facebook, there's a new burger joint that's opened up. Um, if Kristen's not around, can we do a sneaky burger run? Uh, it's not a great time, man. I'm yeah, just yes I'm, or no, it's fine. Um, can, we, can we just give me, it says 15 minutes on the iPad timer. Can we talk in about 16, 17, is that all right? Yeah, we'll talk okay, later. no worries. Get back to me, yeah? Sorry, it might sell out. There's some calls that you don't need to take. Some calls that you don't need to take, all right? The devil comes to try to knock on your door also. He tries to come and lie. He tries to come and distract you from your message. You don't need to answer that call. You don't need to listen to him. The last definition of call is to summon by divine command. To summon by divine command. And we're going to talk a bit more about that call tonight. There's some biblical definitions of the word call. The word call is used in a number of different forms in the Bible. And the first Greek word that's used for call is kaleo. It means to call, invite, or summon. The idea of being summoned, for me, it puts a bit of weight on this invitation. Just to be invited, it's like... How many times do you get a Facebook invitation? You think, it's not really, a, is it a real invite? Is it not? 
But this word also means to summon. So it puts a bit of weight on the invitation. Kletos means called or summoned. It's a divine calling focusing on the invitation to salvation, actually. It's a divine calling focusing on the invitation for you to come to Christ. It's not just um, a wishy-washy invitation. It's a serious invitation. It's a call that we make every time we meet. We make a call out for people to come and meet Christ. In fact, this word, kletos, and kaleo is what we get the word ecclesia from. The Greek word for the church in the Bible is ecclesia. It means the called out ones, the ones who have answered that call, the ones who have decided to open the door to Jesus when he knocks, the ones who have said, yes, I will answer that call, I will become one of the called out ones, and I'm now part of the kingdom of God. The call is firstly an invitation to live in right standing with God. It's a call to an invitation, uh, uh, an invitation to live in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I said, to be known by him and to know him more. That idea for me is to make him supreme in my life. Colossians 1 talks about the supremacy of God, the fact that Everything has been made through Christ, for Christ, and by Christ, and that includes us. Every single one of us have been made by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ, for his pleasure. He is supreme. He's the supreme master of the entire universe, yet we have the choice whether we make him the master of our own lives. And that's the call for you tonight. Do you need to make Jesus the master of an area of your life tonight. Romans 1, 6-7 says this, and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and who are called to be his holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Those who are called to be God's holy people. We are called to be God's holy people and to live in a way that is worthy of that calling, Paul says. We are called to live in a way that is worthy of us being God's holy people. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. God's own possession. Do you know how God looks at you when you've answered that call? You're his child. Jesus says that you're a brother, a sister with me. We are joint heirs with Christ. We have the same inheritance that Jesus Christ has when we open our hearts to him and we decide to answer that call. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 says, He called you to salvation when you heard the good news. When people hear the good news, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, and that is that we are worthy of redemption because he loves us, not because of anything we've done. That we get to wear robes of his righteousness, yeah. not our own works, because of what he has done on the cross for us. So now you can share that same glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I was 17 years of age, my parents started going to a church down on the northern beaches called C3 Oxford Falls. It's called Christian City Church, Oxford Falls back then. 
And on Father's Day, 1999, I was in year 12, my parents asked, asked me and uh, my two sisters to come along to church with them. And I remember thinking to myself, well, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's what my parents have asked me to do. I'm a good kid. I'll, I'll go along anyway. And really, I'm a Christian. I've been raised in a Christian home. These guys are Christians in this church. How different could they be? And as if anything's really going to change for me, that's cool. We'll go down together. And as soon as I walked into this church, I realized that there was something different about them as opposed to me. That I knew God and Jesus as factual things, but I didn't have a revelation of the relationship that I could have with them. And as I looked around this room, I saw that all these people who were Christians the same way I was seemed to know my God a lot better than I did. They knew the God that I professed to be God a lot better than I did. I'd been raised in a great Christian home with amazing Christian parents, grown up in church most of my life, but God had set up that moment, my parents going to Oxford Falls for a number of months, and then for myself and my sisters to go, he had set up that moment in time to knock on the door of my heart. And as we sang the second song, I started crying, and they had baby dedications, and I cried even more. (laughs) And when Pastor Phil issued a call out to people and said, do you want to receive Christ? Everything inside me was like, yes, I I do, I need to. And I could feel the knocking on my heart. The knocking on my heart to submit, to lay down everything that wars against God. You've got to realize that there's part of us, there's part of the human flesh that actually wants to war against God. And the amazing thing about God's love is that even when we were warring against Him, He died for us. Even when we were warring against Him, He died for you and for me. The great apostle Paul, before he had that revelation of Jesus, that, that moment on the road to, road to Damascus when he saw Christ, he was a terrible guy, persecuting Christians. But even for him, even when he was persecuting the church, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him and died for him. It's the same for you and me. We've not done those things that he had done. But even when we were rebelling against God, He decided to die for us so that he could have a relationship with you and with me. And at that day, I couldn't help but answer. I couldn't help but respond to the knocking that was going on in my heart. I had to respond. I had to respond to the call. And tonight, there's some of you even now who are feeling a knocking on the heart, on on the door of your heart. Some of you even now tonight are hearing a knock, knock, knock on your heart. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that knocking, to respond to the call, to respond to that invitation. Romans 8.30 says this, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Jesus calls you, and when you respond to that call, he gives you right standing with himself. Right standing with the king of the universe. Right standing with the perfection of perfection. Right standing with the creator of the universe. And then he gives us his glory. His glory so that we can show his glory on this earth. You know, for myself, there's been a number of different 
things that have gone on, you might think of them as different chapters in my own life. And a significant chapter started on the 1st of December, 2011. Because there's a general call for all of us to know Christ more. And in fact, it's out of that general call to know Him more and have that relationship with Him that He then gives you specific tasks or specific callings to do with your gifts in life as well. So it's first that relationship that we must have with Him, and it's out of the overflow of that we start to minister. It's out of the overflow of that that we develop greater and greater detail in the call that He gives us. And on that night, at that time, I was working in a law firm in Chatswood and and doing quite well. The senior partner had just gone on holidays for four months. He'd handed over his part of the practice to me, and he said, Leon, if this goes well, then we'll make you a partner in six months. And everything was going really well. It was fantastic. I I felt like I was on a mountain. Everything is going well. The firm's doing well. Everyone's happy with me. I'm looking after all his teams, all his clients. He's gone for four months. He doesn't need to come back. That's how it was. And on the 1st of December, 2011, I'll never forget having a dream one night, which was a pretty clear end times dream for me. And now, I don't know how much of it was theologically correct, but it had the desired effect on me when I woke up. And I thought to myself, what on earth was that? And I started to pray. And I went back to sleep, and the next morning I woke up again, and and the Holy Spirit clearly told me that there's a dying world out there that there are people who are perishing every single day and that he wanted me to do something different with my life. And quite quickly, the different priorities in my heart were surgically almost changed. It went from work and doing really well at this practice to serving God. That took the number one position in my life. And I felt like God was saying to me at that time, Leon, I'm calling you to ministry. I want you to be on the front lines and I want you to do my work. I didn't know exactly what that meant. I didn't know, and what do you do? You can't just jump from that. I mean, I wasn't doing all that. I was doing a few things around the place, but I wasn't doing that much. You can't just jump from that to say, yeah, okay, give me the microphone. God's spoken to me. He gave me an end times dream. I'm ready. Because you're not. My character wasn't ready. My knowledge of the word wasn't ready. The call at that time was an invitation to to go on a journey with him. And from there, God spoke to me about leaving the firm that I was at and doing so well at, financial future all set up, starting my own practice and then going to Bible college at the same time, which sounds like madness. I was finishing my my master's off at the same time as well. It sounds like madness. And really, if it wasn't out of obedience to God, it would have been. But when God calls you to do something, in fact, even more than that, when he calls you to lay something down, when he calls you to lay a future down for a different future that he has, the safest place you can be is in obedience to him. The safest place you can be is to say, God, you know what? Yes, I'm yours. My whole life is yours. I trust you with my future. I would sit there doing the maths. If I charge myself out, at this much per hour, I get to work this many hours because there's this much Bible college I have to do. Where am I going to get clients from? Doesn't make any sense. I need to, I need to did my budget. I've got to earn this much to be able to pay the bills and hopefully live and feed myself. How's it all going to work? And I sat there on the, I remember the 7th of January, 2012, 2013, sorry. 
the first day I started my practice, I sat there at my desk thinking, I'm going to start working, and I had a pile of files about that big that I was able to take with me from my other practice. And I said, Lord, what have I done? (laughs) What have I done? And he said, Leon, you've answered my call. If you build my church, I will build your business. And the goodness of God is this, that he sets you up for something for the future. And all he needs you to do is to be obedient, to keep walking, to take every step. Although it might feel like you're walking off the edge of the cliff, although it might feel like you're taking a step onto the next wave, you don't know what's going to happen or what's ahead of you. He's the one who looks after you all the way. There's uh, a few different examples, biblical examples that I wanted to talk about a bit of people who either followed the call or rushed into the call and people who actually were disobedient to the call as well. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, the first person is obviously Jonah, the prophet who decides to not go to Nineveh where he's called to go. Instead, he decides to go down and, and, uh, and get a ticket on a boat going the other way. The Bible says in Jonah 1 that Jonah went the opposite way to where God wanted him to go. I did some research into this, and there's different reasons why Jonah did this. Part of it actually was his revelation of how merciful God is. And he knew that God would be merciful on, merciful on the people of Nineveh, and he didn't want him to be merciful on them because wow. Nineveh and the Babylonians and, and that mob were the mortal enemies. Of the, um, uh, of the nation of Israel. And he knew that God would be merciful on them as well. And that's not what he wanted. But what Jonah didn't understand, his dis- disobedience obviously is in the fact that he walked the other way to what God had called him to do. But actually when I look at it, it's, it's really a bit deeper than that. It's a fact that he didn't understand that beyond his mission, and his mission was to make the nation of Israel great. He was serving King Jeroboam II. And he wanted to make the nation of Israel great. But what he didn't understand was the fact that God had a greater purpose. That God, through his obedience, wanted to save other people as well. He had a greater purpose. If I think of Moses, who understood that he was called to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel. The deliverer of the nation of Israel out of bondage. And he rushed his call. He tried to do too much. He saw an Israelite who was being abused by one of the Egyptian slave masters and he went to the aid of this Israelite and he ended up killing the the Egyptian slave master, didn't he? He rushed his call. There is a timing to our call. The safest place we can be is actually in the perfect timing and the perfect will and the perfect obedience, in perfect obedience to God's call and his timing. What's he calling you to do tonight? What is he calling you to do? Is it a call to greater intimacy with him? Is it a call to make him Lord of your life in a certain area of your heart, in a certain area of your mind? Is it to make him Lord of your finances? Or is he speaking to you about something that you can possibly do with your gifts, with your talents? Is he saying to you, I want you to learn more about me. I want you to ready yourself for something more. Is he saying, perhaps go to night college? We've got a brand new subject starting tomorrow night here at Bible College at nights, on Monday nights. Why don't you sign up for that? Is he saying, do an essentials course, learn more about him? Is he saying, start serving on one of our teams? We've got 
You can make coffee. You can welcome people at the door. You can help in the production team. There's so many different things you can do. God's calling all of us to a greater relationship with him and to a greater element of service to the building of his church.